Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm your brother Israel Benjamin. And it's your boy Jay. This is Things Your Pastor Won't Tell You. Yes, sir. We are the wildest flock, and today's topic is the African nation of Israel. Now, the African nation of Israel. Jay, what you think, man? Should that be said with an exclamation mark, a period, or a question mark? Uh, Hey, hey, I mean, it's not something that you hear about on a regular basis. This right. is something that, you know, uh, people might talk about on the streets a little bit, but like, has this come lie. over a pulpit? Nah, I ain't never heard nothing like that. Nah, not at all. Okay, well, I mean, we're going to crack open the scriptures and, 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 and see things that the scriptures actually might have to say. Let's see. We can talk about history a little bit, right? Let's let's dig into a little bit of history, um, right? The Ashkenazi Jews okay. and the Sephardic Jews, they are the possessors of the land of Israel today. They live right. in Israel Currently. today. Yeah, absolutely. And they got there in 1948, right? So I could see anybody looking at them having a hard time understanding or believing that you know, there was such a thing as the African nation of Israel or Israel having some African-like features or ways or cultures. In in Israel, the people, right, the Sephardic and the Ashkenazi Jew, the majority, um, they come from Europe. They're European Jews. Um, you know, it's even said on various websites and even their own heritage, them, you know, uh, talking about it from the Jewish Encyclopedia you know, it's it's clearly said that it is a European people group who are in that land. Uh, and they say that their ancestors come from this very land. Um, however, there is this notion, right, uh, of an African nation of Israel. I dig it. We're going to take a look at it. We're going we're gonna to see if there's any merit to this, to this, this, this proposal or this thing that somebody's pastor won't tell them. <laughs> um, it's been stated time and time again by scientists at the very least, right, that the world's earliest human or homo sapien ancestors came from Africa. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the Smithsonian Institute, they describe the homo sapien species as evolving into being around 300,000 years ago. woman or uh whatever i mean obviously it wasn't eve or, or nothing like that but it was the oldest i think they said now. her her name was well the name that they gave to her was lucy there you go yeah that's what it was that's what they called her they called her lucy if you go to humanorigins.si.edu they talk about evidence of human fossils and species specifically the homo sapiens there in the land of ethiopia um, that's where they find the earliest human remains. Um, so, right, with that, anybody can say, well, the whole world is African then. Sure. Right. Absolutely. The whole world is African from that perspective. We can definitely sit there and preach on that point that the whole world is African. But can we arrive that the nation of Israel was African or is African or anything of the sort from that. I don't know. So one thing I did fail to mention briefly earlier, right? So the, the, the three major groups <clears throat> in the land of Israel today is, is so uh, at least who claim Jewish heritage, you have the Sephardic Jew, you have the Ashkenazi Jew, and you have Falashas. The Falashas are actually a pretty big group. And they also come from Ethiopia. The same place where the Homo sapien remains were found. Um, now, let's talk about some biblical scholars. I think any biblical scholar, not anyone in particular, but any biblical scholar can tell you, right, that Israel's origins were in Egypt. 
the origins of the people of Israel were in Egypt. Now, because Israel's origins are Egyptian, one can perhaps grasp the concept that Israel's origins are also African. One could, absolutely. One could grasp it. One could say that. Okay. Now, the question is, how Egyptian and how African is Israel? Today, we'll take a look at the arrival of Israel and his sons in the land of Egypt in the book of Genesis. That's point number one. Okay. Point number two, we're going to look at the mixed heritage of Ephraim and Manasseh in the book of Genesis. Okay. Okay. Right. Point number three, we're going to take a look at Moses, right? My man. He was mistaken to be Egyptian by Zipporah, the woman that he eventually married. Yeah, that was his boo thing. That's in the book of Exodus. Um, we're going to take a look at the book of Romans as well where some Romans mistook Paul to be a specific Egyptian man. All right. Um, that's point number three. Now, point number four, uh, we're going to talk about how Israel left Egypt. They left Egypt with a mixed multitude. Had to get up out of there. They left with a mixed multitude in the book of Exodus. Bounce. Yeah, it was time to go. It was time to go. It was, it was too much going on. <laughs> Um, and now for our fifth point, this is, this is extra biblical. Uh, we'll take a look at the research done by two door parfit. He's a scholar, modern day scholar. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he's a Christian man. Um, and he discovered the Israeli heritage of the Limba tribe. Now we'll talk about the Limba tribe and their significance later on. Um, that's point number five. Now, point number six, we'll briefly discuss the Hebrewisms of West Africa, which is a book by Joseph J. Williams. And there he talks about, uh, we'll, we'll actually get into it, but specifically the tribe of Ashan. Um, and he makes the claim that they are more than likely the Ashanti Ashanti tribe. He makes the claim that they are actually the Ashanti tribe. This is the book, Hebrewisms of West Africa. He goes in depth covering people group after people group within the land of West Africa. And he talks about how they actually have Hebrew uh, characteristics, Hebrew traits. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, We're going to get into point number one. Here we go. Okay, so we're going to get into point number one. Like I said, point number one is all about Israel, the patriarch of the 12 tribes. He was told by God, most high, to not be afraid to go down to Egypt. He said, go ahead and go down there. And uh, I'll go with you. I'm going to be with you. That's, that's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. I mean, for God to say to do something and then for him to reassure you by saying that he'll be with you. And, you know, let alone the fact that God is talking to you like that. That's right. amazing <laughs> for him to be talking to you and then for you to catch it. Let me, you know, hey, I want to encourage y'all to listen to God's voice. Uh, <laughs> but let's go ahead and dig into the scripture. Genesis 46, verse 1. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he so he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For I will make of you a great nation there. He said that he would make of Israel, Jacob, a great nation there. Where was it, Jake? There. There, in the land of Egypt. In the land of Egypt, God specifically told him not to be afraid to go there. And there, in that nation, in that land, rather, he would make of Israel a great nation. 
Uh, he said, I will go down with you to Egypt and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba and the sons of Israel carried their father, Jacob, their little ones and their wives in the carts, which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock and their goods, fattened everything up, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan and went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his son's sons, his daughters and his son's daughters and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now we're going to go down to verse number 27. Verse number 27 says this. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. So that's, that's, that's a lot of people. That's a big family. <laughs> um, but that ain't quite a nation yet. That, that's it's getting there but i mean you still got a ways to go you know i i need at least ten thousand, and i might call you a town i might call you a village <laughs> right. but i mean you starting off with 70 so that means that you about to do some work in egypt <laughs> all right we finna get on point number two all right point number two we're going to talk about the half-tribes of Joseph. Okay. Now, Joseph was the first one that was already there in Egypt. Yeah. He was there, and because he was there, he was sought out by his brothers as a slave. On a vacation. He, he ended up in Egypt on an unexpected vacation, kind of like uh, some people we know. <laughs> Joseph, he, he went there, and... Um, he actually had clout. He became great. He did some amazing things there. Yeah, favor. God's favor was on him. God's favor was heavy on that dude. And so Pharaoh exalted him to the number two of the land. And, um, Joseph actually ended up getting married out there. And when he got married, um, he had some sons. Now, he had sons by somebody who had clout in the land. Um, this woman, she wasn't just any ordinary woman. She was the daughter of the priest of the land. Now, priests in Egypt meant a lot to the Egyptians because everything was spiritual. It was a, a theocratic monarchy. Uh, theocratic meaning, you know, ruled or reigned by God or the gods and then monarchy meaning uh, one ruler so it was a theocratic monarchy um, let's go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 41 verse 46 let's check it out Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh king of Egypt and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt Right. Okay. So he got bossed up. He got raised to a high level there. Verses 50 through 52. Let's take a look. Joseph had two sons. It says to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. That's some restoration right there. Straight up. Like, I mean, he went through it with his father's house. His son, his his brother sold him into slavery. And then, you know what I mean? He, he, he was working in one man's house. And while he was working in that one man's house, uh, that dude's wife was trying to get with him. And he turned it down. He was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do this against God. Or the man that put me in charge of his whole house, like, and so he ended up going to prison, and you know, all this. It was it was some hard work for Joseph. It was hard work. Even working for Pharaoh was hard. It was a mess. It, it wasn't easy, and so, um, anyhow, he 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 named his son that 
God get, God made me forget all the toil of my father's house, um, all his toil and his father's house, all the drama that he went through there. Now, verse uh, 52, and the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So he was afflicted, like he was sold as a slave into the land of Egypt. Yeah, we, we think of the story of Joseph and how everything was dandy and how he did all these wonderful things and he was accepted by Pharaoh. But, I mean, there was one dude who was a baker who got his head cut off. Like, and Joseph prophesied that to him, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so he had the pressure of knowing that Pharaoh could trip like that. And, you know what I mean? That's, that's some pressure. That's that's some pressure. So it was the land of his affliction, even though he was Pharaoh's number two and Pharaoh trusted him and, and Pharaoh gave him some space. But still, you know, he had that pressure that if if I mess up, this could this could go south real quick. But the point is that Joseph had two children by an Egyptian woman, this woman named Asenath. She was the daughter of the priest of On. So. He got with this Egyptian woman, and he had two sons. Okay, that's point number two. He had two half-Egyptian children. Joseph did. Point number three. Moses, man, his brother, he was exalted, right, to the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. Now, how can a Hebrew get exalted to be the son of the daughter of Pharaoh, to be Pharaoh's grandson how does that work grace man that's 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 a trip because pharaoh pharaoh said that moses and all the other hebrew boys should be killed because like what was happening is um that prophecy that god had given to israel to jacob it it became true like it, it started happening they became a great nation within the land of egypt and they were so many that Pharaoh was like, nah, man, I want y'all to stop breeding. I want y'all to stop having babies like that. Okay? Y'all y'all need to chill on all this baby making y'all Hebrews are doing because <laughs> it's way too many of y'all. So right. we're going to start killing some of y'all sons. So he commanded for Moses and his whole generation to be drowned in the river. Well... Moses's mom feared God more than she feared Pharaoh. Even though she didn't keep her son, she put her son in this little raft uh, and floated him down the river. Right when he floated him down, when she floated him down the river, uh, Pharaoh's daughter saw him and grabbed this Hebrew boy, right, and drew him out of the river. And that's exactly what his name means: Moses, drawn out, like drawn out of the Nile, like. I saw this kid. Y'all get him for me. We gotta. We we gonna raise him up. This is my son now. That's what she did. She wrote. She raised Moses, and Moses was raised as a prince of Egypt, as one of the sons of Egypt. There came a point when you know um, Moses was able to understand as he was as he was growing up, and when you know he he was hearing these stories from his mom because his mom was breastfeeding because moses's adopted mother wasn't bearing any milk she didn't have any milk uh she started looking for a hebrew woman and god just so happened to send uh moses's mother her way you know and and coincidentally she was able to breastfeed her own son and also her daughter right her daughter was coming around to actually help out as well. Miriam, Moses's sister. And Moses's sister and mom were telling him all about his heritage, telling him, Hey, look, you are a Hebrew boy. You are, you are Israeli. You're Israelite. You know, even though the, the Israelites were in the land of Egypt, even though they went from 70 to who knows how many people (laughs) at this point in time, um, they they maintained their heritage and they they shared the stories even though they maintained their heritage right that didn't mean that they looked you know looked like they were uh different 
That doesn't necessarily mean that. And and I got I got some proof for you right here. Exodus chapter two, verse fifteen through twenty-one. Let's take a look. Moses, he gets into a scrap with the Egyptian overlord who was beating the Israelites when they were enslaved, right? They were put to forced labor when Pharaoh saw that they were so great in number, like, all right, let me oppress these people and maybe they'll stop making babies then. But that's one thing that oppressed people do is they make babies. Like, (laughs) they ain't got nothing else to do. do. (laughs) But he didn't think about that. Moses... He saw this Egyptian dude beating on one of his fellow uh, Hebrew brothers. He had a problem with that, so he killed him. And when he figured that Pharaoh might hear of this, right? Or actually, when Pharaoh did hear of this, let's let's pick up in the scripture where, where it actually tells the story. Exodus chapter two, verse fifteen. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flocks. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. When they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. It said, an Egyptian. (laughs) They said that he was Egyptian. Talking about Moses. So he said to his daughter, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. (laughs) right like hey this is this is only right like come on what y'all doing moses you know he 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 didn't just come to eat he was content to live with the man it says and so the man gave zipporah his daughter to moses and she bore him a son he called his name jersham for he said i have been a stranger in a foreign land we went to verse 22 on that All right, we didn't just end at verse 21 like I was saying earlier, but we went to verse 22. Um, So what we have there is a person thinking that Moses was Egyptian. He was an Israelite. For sure he was Israelite. For sure, for sure. But they thought that Moses was an Egyptian when they saw him. Now, was it the clothes, Jay? Nah, well. Was it the shoes? Like... (laughs) Who knows, man? It could have been, you know. Right? I mean, <laughs> he he was living in Pharaoh's house. So I don't think it's unreasonable to say that they mistook him to be Egyptian because of his clothes. However, there's another story. There's another instance of this very same thing happening to one of God's greatest prophets, another one of God's greatest prophets in the New Testament. This prophet also happens to be an apostle, uh, none other than the apostle Paul. Now, God used Moses heavy in the Old Testament. God used Peter real heavy in the New Testament. But to the Gentiles specifically, and also to the Hebrews, but more over to the the Gentiles, this brother was the apostle, uh, and that's the apostle Paul. We're going to take a look at Acts chapter 21, verses 37 through 40. Okay. All right, it says, Then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said, that the com- he said to the commander, May I speak to you? And so the commander replied, Can you speak Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness. He said, are you not the who? The Egyptian. Aren't you that Egyptian cat that caused the ruckus and took 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? Some killers, some straight up thugs, like some, some dudes that was ready to just put hands on cats. Like, But that's not the point. The point is, 
they thought that Paul was an Egyptian. But this is what Paul said about himself. He said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. So when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hands to the people. And when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language. He spoke to them in the Hebrew language. The funny thing about that is <laughs> they asked him, can he speak Greek? And he replies, it doesn't say what language he replied to him in, but it said that he started to talk to the crowd in the Hebrew language. Paul crazy, man. He crazy. Hey, that's funny. But the, the, the fact of the matter here is what we're trying to draw out. The point was that they thought, they thought he was. Paul was Egyptian. That brings us to point number four. All right, all right. Point number four, right? Moses, the man, the myth. The now he ain't no, he ain't no myth. This this dude was real. Like he out here murking these Egyptians for mistreating his brothers. He was a freedom fighter, you know. What I mean, straight up revolutionary. But that wasn't God's way. Nah. That's not the way that God wanted to do the deliverance. You know. What I mean, God sent Moses back into the land of Egypt. And he told him to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He said, tell Pharaoh that I said, let my people go, you know. And um, this was after the the Pharaoh who wanted Moses to die actually died. Um, So this was like one of the dudes he grew up with, you know. Yeah, yeah. He he had to talk to him, you know. God sent him, and, and he did that. And... Plague after plague happened, like seven plagues, man. It was, said, man, get your heart together. It was drama. It was drama for the Egyptians. And with the last plague, that way, man, um, it was devastating. Get Matter of way. fact, we're going to take a look. Oh, man. Let's go, um, let's go to verse uh, 29, the 10th plague. Oh, I said seven. I'm, my bad. Ten plagues. <laughs> Ten yeah. plagues. Yeah, I missed. That. I stand corrected. Definitely. I stand corrected. <laughs> Ten plagues. Not at the Egyptians. Okay, so Exodus chapter twelve, verse twenty-nine. Let's let's take a look. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he, all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. This was the last plague. This was the last plague. Now, I'll, I'll be devastated, you know. Oh, man. I mean, e- even being an Israelite, right? Say, say, for instance, as an Israelite, and you see that this happened to somebody that you worked with or even worked for, like, dang, man, right? that's rough. Now, now the question is, how did it not happen to the Israelites, right? Well, God made a way for it to pass over the Israelis, the Israelite community um, there in the land of Egypt. The lamb was slain. There were there were lambs that each household was to have and, and kill and then put the blood of that lamb on their post in their door. And when the death angel who was doing the killing came around, he would pass over those houses. And the other ones, they, they faced that miserable fate, all because Pharaoh refused to let God's people go. And I wonder what that death angel looked like. Man, I'm sure it was scary. Had to be scary. Maybe you can't even see him. Yeah, I'm just saying. Maybe he came over like a gust of wind and just. Whew. I mean, the first. I mean, for all we know, they could have all been asleep when it happened. I'm sure they were, but uh, still. Yeah, boy, it was rough. Jeez Louise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that smoke. No parts of it. Good lord. 
Okay, so when Pharaoh woke up and he saw this happened, right, he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord your God as you have said. Also take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. Pray for your boy. Like, <laughs> but, but see, it wasn't like without warning for this dude. Like he knew that, that God was bringing that smoke. Like he knew that God wasn't playing around with him. But this last one was the one that, that made him say, all right, yeah, y'all could go. My, my bad. And, and, and pray for your boy. Because, man, I'm going through it. Like, you know. True God. <laughs> Every knee shall bow is what the scripture says. Right? Verse 33. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. Like, tell them to leave now. Right. Um, and then the Egyptians said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them whatever they requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot but size children, right? So the children weren't even counted in this number. Now, verse 38 says, a mixed multitude went up with them also in flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. Mixed multitude. Keyword, mixed. Keyword, mixed. Like, there was other people groups going out of the land of Egypt with the Israelites. Now, I don't know if you guys read the Bible, but I read the Bible. Sometimes. I love the Bible. I read the Bible sometimes. No, I'm in at that. Now, can you tell me where in that 40-year period when they were in that wilderness where it mentions mixed multitude ever again? Did it say that the mixed multitude were the ones that died while the Israelites lived on so that the Israelites can go and enter the land of Canaan and possess it as their own and become Israel? I don't think so. Now, they started off with 70 people, right? 70. Now, they're, they're walking out with 600,000. Now, for, for them to have 600,000 men on foot, right, that would be a lot of inbreeding if they kept only the same people and I'm pretty sure that they might not be able to walk out on foot if that was the case. Right. <laughs> we already said what, the, what, what, what you do with your, your idle time when you're oppressed. When you're oppressed, like the Egyptians oppressed not only the Israelites. There were other people there. Like there's, there's records of Nubians being oppressed, uh, Ethiopians, um, people from all over the Middle East. They were enslaved. They were enslaved, and they mixed. The, the, for them to go from 70 to 600,000, I don't know what the time period was, okay? But they went from 70 to 600,000. They was getting their mix up. Okay? <laughs> they, they, they got with some people from some other groups. They got with some people from some other groups. For sure, Moses got with the Midianite woman. For sure, Joseph got with an Egyptian woman, right? Absolutely. And so that's... One tribe, for sure, that's half Egyptian already. Now, this mixed multitude that went up with them, <laughs> that left the land of Egypt, I don't see in the scripture where it says that they departed from the Israelites. So, God being the maker of families, the father to the fatherless, the mother to the motherless, you know, um, I believe that they were brought in to the land of Canaan with Israel and they became a part of Israel. Egyptians were a Hamitic people, 
Mizraim. If you look it up, right? If you do research in a Zondervan Bible, right? Uh, Mizraim comes from Ham. Israel comes from Shem. Now, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. There might have been even some Japhethites in there. We don't know. But we do know for sure is that Ham was there and Shem was there. Yes, we do know. In the land of Egypt. Mixing. Mixing around. There was some mixing going on, right? And so, if the Liberians who left the United States, right, when they were given the city Monrovia and, and given the land of which is today called Liberia, right, and established by the United States government, right, they, the U.S. government put a leader in place for them, they're going to have some, at least at the time of their establishment, some American ways. There was a time when it resembled America to some extent in Liberia, to some extent. Now, Israel, leaving from Egypt, right, they had some Egyptian in them. They, like, literally, and then also uh, in a cultural sense. There was some type of, of Egyptian culture that they picked up with them. That doesn't mean that they forgot about their Israeli heritage, their Israelite heritage. Now, they, they got a lot of their heritage from their, their fathers. They passed that down from generation to generation. Now, those were, dis- those were definitely some distinguishing features between them and some of the other people groups there in the land of Egypt. Not just that, but they also had the land of Goshen. Um, but the point is that they left with a mixed multitude. 600,000 people. Now, some mixing had to go down, and so we see for sure that they mixed with Egyptians. We know for sure that they mixed with some Midianites. For sure. Okay? Um, if that's the case, then Israel left Egypt with a mixed multitude. This is point number four. Okay, point number five. We're going to read word for word from Tudor Parfit's account. Um, as written on pbs.org. Uh, it's one of the Nova specials. It's an article, uh, Tudor Parfit's Remarkable Quest. Give it a look. I think it's worth giving a look. Um, here he gives an account, and I'll let you listen and then judge for yourself. Matter of fact, I, I've, I advise you to go to pbs.org and give it a look yourself because that's, you know, that's the power of information. We're in the age of information where, you know, it's flowing at us a million miles a second. And, you know, all you have to do is reach up and grab it and, and take a look, see what's going on. You know, it's called the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> so two-door parfit, point number five. He, he says this. I first heard about the Limba when I was in South Africa. I had been asked to give a lecture there on the Ethiopian Jews, the Falashas, because I'd just written a book on the exodus of the Falashas from Ethiopia to Israel. The lecture was mainly attended by white South African Jews, but at the back of the hall, I noticed some black people wearing yarmulkes, the Jewish skullcap. That was rather intriguing, so at the end of the lecture, I went across to say hello. I wanted to know where they were from. They said that they were Jews and that they'd come from the Middle East centuries, if not millennia before. I found this rather intriguing, but very difficult to believe. They didn't look Jewish, and nobody at that time knew that there was any sort of Jewish penetration into black Africa. It seemed absolutely mythic. They said, you don't seem to believe what we're saying. Why don't you come spend a weekend with us? We'll show you our fellow Jews and introduce you to our elders. So you'll see what we're saying is true. So off I went to the northeast corner of South Africa in the area of Venda. 
and in the course of the weekend, I could see that it was almost certain that they must have some kind of Semitic connection because all of their pre-modern religious and social practices seemed to be imbued with a quality that was essentially Middle Eastern, essentially Semitic. So, we skip a couple paragraphs, and we get down to the meat and bones of it, right? He takes these uh, blood samples, and he asks the limbo where they're from, and they keep repeating this word, Sina, right? And as they're repeating that, hey, we're from this land called Sina, two-door Parfit finds uh, this land called Sina in the Hadramat. 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 I believe it's called Hadramat. And so he said, yes, genetic anthropologist Neil Bradman and I went to the Hadramat and collected DNA samples over a number of days. I'd collected large DNA samples of Limba, and these went back to the lab in London. Once the analysis had been done, it seemed to show that there was something of an overlap, not specifically with Sina, but with the general area of the Hadramite. It looked entirely plausible that the Limbo Y chromosome and the Y chromosome that we collected in the Hadramite area had some similar features. In addition to that, there was the extraordinary finding of the Cohen modal haplotype. The Cohen modal haplotype. This is speaking of some genetic markers in the DNA. Okay. This is the element in the Y chromosome that appears to be a signature element, if you like, for the Kohanim or Jewish priesthood. The fact that we found this marker in such high concentrations in one of the Limba subclans, the Buba, much higher incidentally than the general Jewish populations, seemed finally to provide a real usable link between the Limba and Jews. So they had a higher concentration of this Cohen modal haplotype marker, this this marker in their Y chromosome, this designator would link them back to none other than Moses and Aaron. That would link them back to Moses and Aaron. Not that they're exactly the children or the, the ancestors of them, but they share they share that heritage with them, the Levitical priesthood. But they very well could be <laughs> descendants of Moses and Aaron. We don't know. But this is an amazing find. That's crazy, man. That's point number five. These black brothers in the back of the room, right, who heard that some guy named Tudor Parfit was going to give a lecture about uh, the Falashas, the Ethiopian Jews, going to Israel from Ethiopia, right? They showed up, and they were doubted. It was skeptical to two-door parfit that they were Israelite at all. But not only were they were Israelite, but they had a very, very strong concentration, right? The, the Buba subclan specifically had a very high concentration of the Kohen, which means priest, uh, that modal haplotype. That's a big thing. Uh, PBS.org. Nova. It's one of the Nova articles by Tudor Parfit. T-U-D-O-R-P-A-R-F-I-T-T. Okay. Give that a look if you haven't looked it up already. It's pretty fantastic. And point number six. We're going to talk about Joseph J. Williams' book. Uh, the Hebrewisms of West Africa. Really, we're not even going to talk about the book in its entirety and, and all that it contains because it has a lot of information. Uh, it's a whole book written about some of the things that are practiced in West Africa that 
greatly resemble uh, Hebrew culture. Okay. Um, it's pretty awesome to look at. And remember, Hebrew doesn't always even mean Israel itself, right? Um, because technically anybody that's Hebrew is a descendant of Eber. But specifically in this book, that's what they're giving reference to is um, the, the Israelite kind of characteristics of West Africa. Um, Joseph J. Williams, um, he has some perspectives that don't necessarily seem to be um, very high perspectives of a lot of the West Africans. Um, however, he does note that they have Hebrew characteristics. Now, if you turn to page 60, where he talks about the derivation of the word Ashanti, um, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's very interesting, actually. Um, let's give it a look. The very name Ashanti has itself a strong Hebraic flavor. For while some would derive the word from Sean, the name of a plant, and T to eat, claiming that the title must have been acquired in the time of a great famine, when they found sustenance in the plant in question, this is mere guesswork. This is guesswork. Actually, the termination T or tie in the names of West African tribes has usually the general meaning of the race of, the men of, or the children of. This would make Ashanti the people of Ashan. Now, what's the significance of that? Please tell me. Well, there was in fact a town of the name of Ashan in the domain of Judah. Priests were in residence there, according to the first book of Chronicles, where the word is spelt A-S-H-A-N, though in the corresponding passage of Joshua, it is spelt A-I-N. Okay, let me give you those passages. Now, in Joshua, it's Joshua 14, 40, excuse me, 15, 42. Joshua 15, verse 42. And then Joshua 19, verse 7. Joshua 19, verse 7. First Chronicles 4, verse 32. And First Chronicles 6, verse 59. Okay, those first chronicle verses, 4 verse 32 and 6 verse 59, they all, all four of these contain the word Ashan. Um, even if you're looking uh, at it in the book of Joshua or the book of first chronicles, I know he said that they're different. Perhaps he used a different translation, but in the New King James, um, all four places they are spelled uh, A-S-H-A-N, Ashan. I advise you to actually give this a look. Um, you know, perhaps there's merit to it. Perhaps, you know, you could see what the speaker is saying, but it might not mean much to you. However, the Bible talks about it. So we'll talk about it. Okay. So we see that Joseph J. Williams, he identifies various people groups, various tribes throughout West Africa as having Hebrewisms, as he says. Um, specifically here, he talks about how Ashan derived its, its, its name. The Ashanti people, the Ashanti tribe derived their name. Uh, meaning the people of Ashan. Um, Tudor Parfit, he talked about the Limba tribe. That's L-E-M-B-A. You can Google them and get a look at, you know, what these people look like. Uh, also, the Falashas, get a look at them, see what they look like. F-A-L-A-S-H-A, -A -A, right, Falasha. Um, we talked about the two half-tribes of Joseph. 
They were both half Egyptian. We also talked about how Moses and Paul were mistaken to be Egyptian. And we talked about how um, God Most High even told Israel himself to go to Egypt. Now, that sounds like a lot of African stuff to me. Um, you don't have to take my word for it. You know, it's it's cool, but I think that you should do your research. Yes, today as it stands, Israel is largely a European nation. It's predominantly European today, right? But in its origins, even coming out of Africa, right? From its exile to its cultural influences and the very proximity of the nation itself. I personally believe that the ancient nation of Israel was indeed an African nation. Well, we well, can't deny that there's definitely absolutely the Hamites and the and the Shemites came together, and you know they left together, <laughs> and they, they they made something happen, and you know they they went some went to Europe, some went back to Africa. As we see, there's still some there today, right? The Ethiopians. When there were some that went to Ethiopia, there were some that went to South Africa. Um, anyhow, whether or not you accept it, my mind is made up about the matter until God says otherwise. This brief glimpse of scripture is not meant to make up your mind for you, but perhaps present to you things your pastor won't tell you. This was the very first episode of Things Your Pastor Won't Tell You. I'm your brother, Israel Benjamin. We simply want you to know if you don't take anything else from this, that God loves you. He thinks that you're to die for. He sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins and his blood will help that judgment to pass over you. If you accept him as your Lord and savior, God bless you. We love you and we're out.